steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs, sideline, touchdown. the unbelievable podcast i am bj rydell back here with my guy drew mahold and today we are talking about a fantastic finish and another win for your minnesota vikings and as far as i'm concerned the minnesota vikings are officially back now because they're showing up in the in the hunt graphic oh yes Uh, absolutely that's that's when it starts to get real right um, so we will talk a little bit about that, and of course, we'll spend the majority of this time um, going over the game and um, how your Minnesota Vikings were able to overcome Teddy Bridgewater and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, there's one clear focus here, and I think that's Kirk Cousins, so we'll be spending the majority of this show kind of detailing what he did well um, and kind of the changes that I think both of us have seen um, as of late, um, and then we'll go through a little bit of some of your opinions as well um, with the Twitter poll that we did. Um, that should pretty much round up the show for today. So that's the game plan. Let's get started right away here. So as you're well aware, your Minnesota Vikings were able to come away with a 28-27 to victory over the Carolina Panthers uh, by way of a 54-yard missed field goal by Joey Sly. And before that, by way of a game-winning touchdown, or I guess what it ended up proving to be, uh, by Chad Beebe, um, thrown by the man, the myth, the legend, Kirk Cousins, who has fallen into my good graces based off of his recent play. <laughs> Um, I know I've been a bit of a, a roller coaster here, and I know that I've been a bit of an irrational fan as it relates specifically to Kirk Cousins, um, at least over the last six weeks, probably even longer, to be honest with you. Um, but my big thing, and kind of the way that I am able to justify that roller coaster emotional response to Kirk Cousins and him being the quarterback of the team that I unfortunately am forced to cheer for, is because he is a roller coaster quarterback. This is the guy, yeah. this is who he is. But the peak is looking very good lately, like really, really good. Um, so let's go over this performance here against Carolina. Uh, the, the box score numbers are okay. Um, I don't love the average, thro- uh, you know, the average attempt at 6.8, but 307 yards, three touchdowns, you know, 78.2 QBR, 115.7 quarterback rating. That's going to be um, good enough for most of you who value the conventional statistics, right? That's a good-looking stat line from a quarterback of a winning football team. Um, he did a lot of other things very well, too, specifically the timeliness. And I think that's kind of the focus here. And kind of if you are with me and you're someone who is, as, you know, as Drew pointed out within our Twitter poll, who has seen a shift in your perception of Kirk Cousins um, over the last couple of weeks, it's likely as a result of the timely play and getting the job done when you're not supposed to get it done, which is something we talked about last week. Right. And I think it's – so to me, the thing with Kirk has been, like you can you could almost predict when things are going to fall apart in that, right. you know, you get the turnover, uh, you get a, a, a touchdown created by, you know, the opposing defense, whatever the case may be. It doesn't seem like Kirk up until probably this season has responded well to that. Um, right. I think really there was the one exception, which was last year maybe Denver. Um, that game where, you know, you get a, a weird touchdown or a turnover that creates points for debt for the other team um, and clawing back into the game from 
from that has been a problem for Kirk and largely because, you know, when he's forced to throw and teams know he's going to throw, uh, he's not able to, you know, excel the way he can when play action is effective. And so it seems like that's changed a little bit the last probably really since the bye week. Uh, You know, you can go back to the bears game where, you know, they Vikings get up that kick return touchdown to Patterson. They're trailing in the game. And uh, Vikings put together a couple of touchdown drives in that second half to uh, win that game. Uh, and then, you know, look at Dallas, uh, you know, go ahead, touchdown the fourth quarter of that game last week. Um, and then, I mean, really the, the Panthers game twice, you know, it was sort of, you know, when they fell down by 11 points, two defensive touchdowns by the same guy, um, but two fumble recoveries taken for six points. Uh, and any really before this year, Kirk Cousins and his, and his team kind of, uh, fold in that scenario, but um, twice in a row, Kirk Cousins led a touchdown drive, pinpoint passing, uh, moving around in the pocket, right? Like that's something that has not been a strength of his, but he's moving around. He's extending plays with his feet. He's reaching for first down yardage after uh, around a third and eight play. Um, so there is a different, I don't know. It, it's different. It, it, last year he had a hot stretch, right? We're like four, six, four to six games. I think it was where he, um, was efficient and his, his box score numbers were gaudy, but um, this is, this seems different. He's kind of putting the team on his back, so to speak a little bit more, you know, Dalvin hasn't been super efficient the last couple of weeks right. um, and, and yet he's able to produce. And so that is, I think the difference here is he's kind of producing also without Adam Thielen yesterday, by the way, right. and he's able to distribute the ball, uh, complete passes when they're needed and score when it's needed. And I, I mean, I'm not, again, I don't like the contract still. I'm not going to justify the contract right now, but I think he's playing at a top 10 level at the very least right now. Okay, so I have so many things to say. Like, not just off of – like, first and foremost, off of what you just said, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, but just in general right now, I have – and this is good for the Vikings, and this is good for content and our purposes. <laughs> um, I, I have a lot of things to think now that we've seen 11 games of Minnesota Vikings football. And naturally I'll probably have even more opinions once I've seen 12 games of Vikings football, but a couple things that I need to get out of the way before, because I don't really think they you know, matter at the moment. First of all, I didn't mention Jeremy Chin at all last week when we talked about the Panthers defense, right? A um, couple things on that one. I should have two. I don't think he did anything particularly amazing himself. No. He was just in the right place at the right time. So for Twice. those of you who, yeah. are gonna, who are going to jump on me for not mentioning that guy, don't because that's my response. You have it right now. Now, more importantly, and back to the conversation at hand here, to kind of preface what I'm going to say, the first four weeks now, Packers, Colts, Titans, tight Texans, where the Vikings went one and three, I am now fully okay with saying that is preseason Vikings football because this is not the same team we saw in September. Straight up, it's just not. There's not the play calling is different. The playmakers, like the guys who, if you're thinking Madden and they show you your three greatest weapons when you enter the game for the first time or whatever, those have changed, right? This team is completely different from September. So I think you got to keep that in mind as we continue to move forward here. Like, yes, those games still count towards your record, but if you remove that one and three start, you know, all of a sudden you've got a four and two football team. It makes a whole lot more sense with the way this team is playing. And now more importantly, the reason for that directional change, we thought it was Delvin Cook, right? When we got off of the Packers game, you and I had the discussion about, okay, is Dalvin Cook going to be the reason why the Vikings have a chance to get back in this? Um, can the Vikings win with just Dalvin Cook? We've gotten answers to both of those questions. 
Question number two, probably the more important question, can the Vikings win with just Dalvin Cook? I think we learned yesterday they can't because efficiency, first of all, you need to have a tremendous efficiency, which we have discussed and, you know, we've given credence to. Um, but it hasn't been there on a week-to-week basis. Like, yeah, 70 yards is still amazing, but at a 4.0 clip isn't going to win it by yourself. So we got that answer. We know the Vikings can't win consistently with just Dalvin Cook. The other question being is – Kirk Cousins able to step up situationally? Can he get it done when his back is against the wall? Can he get it done when everything around him falls apart? We got all of those answers yesterday. Chad Beebe did everything and anything to give this game away, literally, on multiple occasions. It wasn't just the punt drop. It was multiple things throughout the game. And ultimately, he's, yeah, he's the guy who won the game, and he gets, you know, kind of that redemption storyline I'm not going to focus on that because I'm sure the newspapers are, and I still think he played poorly for like 90% of the game. But Kirk Cousins did everything he could with what he had around him. Like you said, no Adam Thielen. Dalvin Cook, not as efficient as he was against Green Bay, um, even against Chicago either. Um, He had to do basically everything himself um, because a receiver can't throw the ball to himself. Justin Jefferson can't throw the ball to himself. He's got to have Kirk throw it to him. And Kirk was able to do that, and not only was that consistent throughout four quarters of play, where he was consistently accurate, which is something we have always praised him for in terms of accuracy, but he got it done when it mattered most. He got it done when the cards were on the table and the Vikings were not supposed to win the game anymore. When I lost hope, Kirk Cousins got it done. That's not something I've ever seen. Never. Like, even the last, even last year against Denver, it was still a bad team, right? Like, I figured, ah, you know what? Like, I, this is probably a wash. We're probably going to lose. But they beat a bad team. Like, it was this game they were supposed to win. This game was a toss-up. You know, this was a situation where you got a 4-7 and seven team and a 4-6 and six team. One of these teams is going to move forward. One of them's not. And Kirk Cousins is literally the entire reason why they got it done because everyone else, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook included, Kirk Cousins included, tried to lose this game for the Vikings. But when it came down to it, Kirk Cousins got it done. And I don't care how he got it done. He got it done. That's what the contract is for, and I'm happy about that. So, like, last week, I, I think I brought up the comparison to, from Kirk against Dallas to Pat Mahomes against the Raiders, right? right. Um, where, you know, it's a kind of a similar scenario, but, you know, Kirk ultimately didn't, you know, in that last, what was it, minute or uh, 40-something seconds of that Dallas game where they had a chance to go uh, and get points to tie the game or win the game, and it was they went four and out, essentially. Whereas um, similar scenario happened with Pat Mahomes. He went down and scored for the Chiefs, they won the game. <laughs> and that was, you know, a similar situation presented itself again this week, and it was one of those they needed to score six. And, again, I, I'm with you. I didn't have much hope anymore. I thought the game was over. And then all of a sudden, Kirk's rifling 10, 15-yard passes down the field with accuracy. They're quickly getting up to the line. They're doing the same thing. He's hitting Rudolph, hitting BB, he's hitting Ola B.C. Johnson, uh, and hitting Justin Jefferson. And suddenly they're, you know, they're in at first and goal or whatever the case was. It was, it was dart after dart after dart. Uh, and that's not what I've expected to come, uh, ex- come to expect from Kirk Cousins in those scenarios. So that's the big difference to me is that now, um, you know, and I, and I know it's just kind of a one, this is sort of the one case, but it's really not because this is kind of what three games in a row now where Delvin has not been super efficient. The running game has not been super efficient. Um, you go back to Chicago and then Dallas last week. He, I mean, he carried, he, he surpassed hundred yards last week, but it took a lot of carries. And then yesterday also. So it, the passing game is carrying this offense now. Um, and that's three games in a row. And you can argue last week uh, that, you know, 
defense gets one stop here or there, and the Vikings are 5-0 and since the bye week. And a lot of that has to do with Kirk Cousins. He's arguably the best quarterback uh, in November uh, in the NFL, or was the best quarterback in November. Uh, so, I mean, again, not going to justify the contract, but he is he's playing at a, an elite level right now. And it's fun to watch. I mean, a hater or lover, whatever you, however you feel about Kirk Cousins, man, you got to appreciate what he's doing right now. Uh, he's, he's carrying an offense that doesn't pass protect very well. Uh, that has had, well, Dalvin Cook has been on the season, obviously awesome, but lately not as efficient. Doesn't seem to be a hiccup in the offense. He's carrying this team. This defense isn't very, very great. It's him doing this right now with the help of two great receivers, obviously, but it's really, really fun to watch. And I, I'm looking forward to watching more of it uh, as the Vikings are suddenly kind of back alive in these playoffs. That's I think we've given up on them like two or three times. <laughs> this has been a weird year. Um, and on top of the fact, right, you just mentioned that he's doing this with the help of two great receivers, right? Um, and that's accurate. I mean, that's, that's true. De- Adam Thielen is definitely, you know, top 15 to be – you know, I think he's probably top 10, but 15 seems fair, no matter what, no matter who you cheer for. Um, and Justin Jefferson establishing himself as the best rookie wide receiver. I don't see a debate in that. I know Pittsburgh does, but yes, you're right. So you got two great pieces there. Um, you lose Adam Thielen yesterday, so you lose half of that equation just by COVID alone. And Kirk Cousins does something that I'm sure a lot of you guys out there have already seen the graphic or, you know, the stat or whatever, but he does something that's never happened before, and that's he completed – at least seven passes to four different receivers, totaling at least 60 yards or more. Now, that's a mouthful, so I'm going to say it one more time. Four different receivers on the Vikings yesterday totaled at least seven receptions and 60-plus receiving yards. That means two different things. First and foremost, the Vikings are, if you want to say it, I think this is a little bit questionable of a take, but they have good depth at wide receiver. Even Chad Beebe was able to contribute in a meaningful way, which to me, that's depth. It doesn't mean that they have four superstars. Um, but they certainly have guys that are capable of going out and getting it done. Um, you know, good for BC Johnson, first and foremost, who basically had his role erased by Justin Jefferson, what, a month and a half ago, and he gets his first opportunity since, and he ends up leading the team in receiving yards. That's just, you know, that's good news for, you know, a team that, you know, especially in a year with COVID and the pandemic and everything else going on, is going to need depth at some point in time. Um, so you got to feel comfortable with that. But I think the more important point here, and especially as it relates to this Kirk Cousins conversation that we're having, is that he's moving the ball around. I said this, I think I said this two weeks ago when, you know, he hit six or seven different guys for multiple receptions. Now it's, you know, it's higher volume and it's more, it's more guys. It's not just, you know, floating passes out to Dalvin Cook out of the backfield to get a few receptions for your running back. No, these are downfield strikes. Johnson, Jefferson, Rudolph, and Beebe are your four receivers that total at least 60 yards and 70 receptions. None of those guys are like, you know, quick uh, screen-type players. Each one of those guys was totaling 8 to 12 yards per reception, potentially even more, on every single one of their catches yesterday. So Cousins has a comfort level with four guys that played yesterday, five total minimum, plus Irv Smith as well. That's six different receivers who can beat you. I, again, still don't feel comfortable with BB. That hasn't changed. But you've got a lot of different guys that you can feel comfortable with and that Kirk Cousins specifically feels comfortable with and has some level of a rapport with, which, in my opinion, bodes well because guys are going to go through slumps. You're going to have a receiver who doesn't play well. And someday it's going to be Adam Thielen, and it's probably going to be Justin Jefferson sooner rather than later. So it's nice to see that you have this ability to facilitate the offense around guys beyond 
your two, you know, your two premier assets. Uh, and that's, that, that to me is a testament to Kirk Cousins working well with these guys and also Gary Kubiak for calling the plays, right? I mean, you have to have confidence in your players. If they're, if they're on the field, you have to feel like they can catch the ball at some point, right? You, otherwise, you're just not doing a good job coaching. And every single guy that Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak have put on the field has been able to cr- contribute in a meaningful way, both on offense and on defense. And, yes, it's only a 5-6 and six record, but all these things kind of answer the questions that we were asking when this team was 1-5. and five. Do we have an immediate future with this team? You're getting closer to saying yes to that question because of the developments you've seen from not just Kirk Cousins, but the guys around them as well. Yeah, I mean, that's – like you said, an immediate future that I think, you know, that was looking really grim for a while, you know, you get, and I'll, again, I'm going to say it for like the fourth time, I'm not going to defend the Kirk contract, but there is, you know, reason for optimism that this team could compete. You know, I'm not just saying like compete for this number seven wildcard spot next year, but I'm saying like more than that, right. Because of the last few weeks, thanks to Kirk Cousins and the way he's played, thanks to the way this offense is gelling when it seemed like seemingly to us, there are clear holes, right? The offensive line is, you know, not patched up the way it should be, right? Interior has been especially a problem this year. Um, and then, you know, I, I would say feeding Dalvin Cook as much as they do is probably a troublesome uh, in the long term, right, for a guy that, you know, if you're going to give him 25 carries a game, that's just bad for longevity purposes. Um, but aside from that, the offense is playing at, you know, it's as efficient as any offense in the NFL. And that, in a, that alone should be, reason for optimism because next year uh you know as long as everything with covid you know we have there's a lot that needs to be worked out outside of football for sure but michael pierce coming back right um that's a huge hole that can be plugged in for this vikings defense and of course daniel hunter uh as a pass rusher that's two you know great to elite players are coming back uh that you're just missing from this year uh, so there's a lot of reason for optimism moving into next year. If you're, if you're one of those people that's already kind of given up on the season, regardless of the five and six record in the playoff scenarios, uh, there are, there is reason for optimism to, to look for these last few games because of the way this offense has been so efficient. And of course, Mike Zimmer being a defensive coach, there's a lot of reason too just to believe that he will fire up that defense, uh, you know, down the stretch here. And also next year when he's got some of his bigger pieces back, including Anthony Barr, a guy I didn't mention. Right. Right. I mean, it's it. I think there's a lot of gray area regarding the future of this team, like the, you know, the long term future. I think you need to get some answers next year in the draft. Um, You need to get more answers. Oh, there's still a lot to be worked out for sure. Absolutely. And but the point that I'm making here is that like, yeah, there's a lot to work out, but like you're starting to see light now. I didn't see light a month ago, like zero. I saw Trevor Lawrence's hair and that's it. You know, it's a different story. It really is just a different story today. And um, I do like, I have an internal battle with myself about just the, the fluidity of this season. Like I am not comfortable with how up and down my emotions are this season. It, It just feels very casual to me to be so, you know, ridiculously responsive to one week of play. But when you start one and five, you kind of become a week to week team. Like literally every win or loss has some significant impact on what your season may look like. If the Vikings lose yesterday, let's say Joey Sly hits that field goal. All of a sudden you're four and seven and you're done. 
we're not talking about that anymore just because a guy missed a field goal. It has right. nothing to do with Kirk Cousins. That mm-hmm. field goal has zero to do with Kirk Cousins. But we're not talking about it because it went left. Well, it didn't really go anywhere, I guess. But my point stands the same, is that this is really became a week-to-week team. Do I believe that the Vikings are fully back now at 5-6? and six? Yes, but there is a slight piece to you know, why I think that. And it's because of the play of Tampa Bay and Arizona. I'm, ro- I'm royally pissed that the Vikings lost to the Dallas Cowboys now because Arizona and Tampa Bay are in free fall mode. They don't even know what they're doing. They looked awful. The Arizona was considered to be the top offense in the NFL. They looked so bad yesterday. It was painful. You could watch red zone for five minutes and see that that team did not look the same way they, that they did a month ago. So, I mean, because the Vikings are winning and because Arizona and Tampa Bay are falling apart, all of a sudden you are one game out. And the Vikings have, in my opinion, not really done enough to even be in that conversation, but they are there right now because you have five more games to play and you're one game out. It's math. That's all it is. And you play Tampa Bay. So yes, the Vikings are back. This is real. I don't, I don't care what your perspective is on this team being good or bad. Like they're in the hunt. They're in the graphic. ESPN doesn't put that graphic up for no reason, folks. <laughs> well, they, they're, they're back in that they're like, they control their own destiny. They literally do control their own destiny right. because of that Tampa Bay game, uh, which is insane to think given where they were, you know, after going into the bye week at one and five. But um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of breaking down this playoff scenario now. So the, the bears lost last night, lifted the Vikings above them and the bears are in extreme a free fall mode right right um and then you have you know tampa bay falling down they haven't looked awesome the last couple of weeks uh that chiefs game was way closer than it should have been um right. and so you know the vikings get a winnable game against jacksonville i'm never gonna say they're going to win a game i will never do that after what happened against atlanta this year but winnable game against jacksonville go to tampa who uh you know that that game appears to be winnable right now right given how tampa bay is playing and I think you get Detroit uh, or you know, Chicago, uh, the Saints, and Detroit to finish the season. This is this is our optimism speaking for sure. But there's a, definitely a scenario there, especially with Arizona yet has, has to play. I think I believe the Rams twice as well. So it's there. It's there for the taking for uh, the Vikings, and uh, it's wild to think that, but it's certainly a possibility. Um, moving forward that the Vikings can make the playoffs after that weird, terrible start. But, hey, I, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm always going to root for the Vikings to make the playoffs no matter what. Uh, and it's fun to see them crawl back into it, even though it, it's still prob- like a probably not, right? Like you're probably thinking not likely, but it's certainly there and the offense is clicking and it's just – it's fun to watch right now. I think, you know, when you start – when you start the season one and five, your expectations change, right? Just inherently, like <laughs> – like you, all of a sudden, what, what you consider to be good is not the same as it was at the beginning of September, right? Like, good would have been 12-4 and four at the beginning of the season. Now, good sounds like 9-7 and seven and squeaking into the playoffs, and that's plausible now, right? And as far as I'm concerned, if you're a football fan, all you can truly ask for is that your team is competitive in December. So that means that you get a full three months of football no matter what. That's what I ask for for my football team. I don't like, do I want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, of course I do. But like, what can I reasonably ask for? And that's to play 16 competitive football games. And we're going to get that now. I'm happy about that. That's, you know, that's, that's a milestone in itself. Now, 
with all of that being said, we haven't even touched on the defense yet, but with all that being said now, now that the Vikings are five and six, now that they're playing it the way they are, and now that Kirk Cousins has kind of answered some of these questions to some extent, I guess, like you're never going to get a definitive answer with Kirk Cousins, I don't think, but you're getting some, you're, you're giving, he's, he's feeding optimism to some of the choices the Vikings have made, for sure. That's undeniable. Now, that leads to the question then, and that's why, you know, what Drew posted the poll on their Twitter account of, and that, that Twitter account is unbelievable mm-hmm. underscore MN if you want to check it out. Um, and that's just as simple. Has your perception of Kirk Cousins changed? Is it different now based on what we've seen in the last two-plus weeks? For sure, maybe more. Um, is it different because of the Vikings being you know, relevant again? Has your perception changed in the least? And the question, you know, the poll answers were just a simple yes or no. Right. And so I asked, you know, has your perception changed of Kirk Cousins? And I, I could have worded this better, right? Because I think I should have maybe said, has your, has the perception improved or what your, your perception of Kirk Cousins has it improved? Because there are people that have always been on board with the yeah, actor Cousins is elite. This contract is worth it, et cetera, et cetera. But 56% of people think or are saying that their perception has changed. And I would imagine it's for the better given that to the play the last few weeks here. So, right. and I, I'm certainly one of those people. Uh, I now, you know, have an increased level of trust in Kirk Cousins with the game on the line, you know, when there's no more chances uh, for this team. Uh, and I, I know, and and that's, again, that's just based on the fact that this defense is worse than last year. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook has not been as efficient, right? And he's still carrying this team on his back. The passing game is really the only thing working on a consistent basis the last five games. And, uh and the Vikings are four and one because of that. So I, I that's, that's the guy. And again, I, I do want to make a parallel too to like Deshaun Watson, you know, Deshaun Watson is given this kind of uh, perception as, you know, elite quarterback, like one of the best in the league, like kind of right behind Mahomes there, but Texans are what four and seven now, four and eight, something like that. Um, and he doesn't have this perception as not being able to win or, you know, the, the, the win loss record is not used against him. Like it is, or has been used against Kirk this year. Um, what I think, but I'm not saying Kirk is better than Deshaun. I'm just saying both are really good to elite quarterbacks right now um, that, you know, have been kind of handicapped recently by defense, not being as good uh, that type of thing. And they're still elevating their teams uh, to the best they can keeping their game, their teams competitive. So uh, yeah, my perception has changed, BJ. I imagine the same is for you. So, this it's it's tough because you know it, this the poll itself is yes or no, right? So the answer is yes. Like yes, my perception has changed. Does it move the needle enough to be significant? Is kind of what I'm wrestling with. Like even as we record this show, just because again, this is this is week to week right now, and Kirk Cousins could. Like, my perception built on Monday, November 30th for Kirk Cousins has changed from what it was on Sunday, November 29th. When we get to, you know, Sunday, December 6th or whatever the hell it is this next week, it it could change again. And it could change more dramatically because, yes, I have – I'm with you. I have more confidence in Kirk Cousins to get it done today than I did yesterday. That has changed. That's definitive. At the same time, like, he's only done it, what, three times now total? Something like that. The number is low. He's only came back a low number of times. And if next week he blows it terribly against Jacksonville, which, 
you know, again, I'm with you. I'm never saying a game is a definitive win again, especially after that Buffalo game a couple of years ago. But this game should be a win. This this has to be a win for a for a competent playoff team. This has to be a win. And if the Vikings lose, I don't care if it's by two or twenty. I'm getting my. It's going to change again, and it's going to be super unfair to Kirk Cousins because I've just built you know eleven weeks of who I think this quarterback is. And week 12 is going to change it again if he screws this up. Whereas on the flip side of that is if he leads a game-winning drive against Jacksonville, it's not going to move the needle at all. Like, I'm going to say, why weren't we there in the first quarter? Why wasn't that game-winning drive happening within the first seven minutes of playing this team? So, yeah, it's changed, but I'm leaving open the possibility of it changing again, which seems really unfair to – no, to anyone that's well, no, to... that's 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 how it is. That that's playing quarterback in the NFL. But one like week though, like is oh, yeah. one week enough to change the perception of a guy who's been playing in the league for what almost ten years now? Is that is is that even fair? I don't think so, it... it shouldn't be right, but it is because there are enough variables I think in football that you know it's tough for it's really tough for anybody to actually evaluate things, right? Uh, you know, the 2019 team and the 2020 team totally different, right? You got, you got two different guys calling plays on offense. I mean, that's in itself something that's totally different that we, you know, have to – we'd have to really dive deep into the tendencies of play calling to, to you know, really find the difference to see if that's aiding Kirk Cousins or if it's not. Um, so just things like that, like it's tough year to year, and he's had so many different, you know, teammates, uh, you know, offensive linemen, receivers to throw to that. I think there is enough variables that one game with this specific set of – offensive linemen and receivers and play calling. I think that can change the perception a little bit. And so uh, I'm kind of with, you know, and I'm with you again, if he throws a stinker up next week against Jacksonville, oh yeah, yeah, then my perception will change a little bit of Kirk Cousins. But right now it's kind of the, you know, I, I'm aware that Kirk Cousins is capable of the stinker game. That's happened probably right, three to five times in his tenure in Minnesota, right? Where he just goes out there and for whatever reason, absolutely nothing works, but then, it's more likely, right, that he has a really good game. He's accurate with every pass. Right. He keeps the offense moving, keeps the ball moving, and they put, enough, put up enough points to win a, the game against most teams. That's Kirk Cousins for me. And now adding to that is, okay, if the Vikings back against the wall, they have no other option but to score on this drive, he can do that. And I have a little bit more faith in him to lead the offense down the field to accomplish that task. So – that's how my perception has changed. It's not like it's a major change, of course, but uh, I do think Vikings fans should be more confident in Kirk Cousins after the game uh, against the Panthers. I mean, I would, I would agree that they should be. Uh, so kind of what's uh, inspiring this internal debate that I'm going through here is the response by, and Grant, I, I promise I'm not trying to be rude here, but I, it's going to come off that way, is the response by a casual Vikings fan who goes on to Twitter and then responds to some, you know, think Arif Hassan or someone who really knows their shit about football and says something to him like, what do you think of Kirk now? And the response from a guy like Arif or take someone from PFF or, you know, someone who has some uh, charisma when they speak back to people who are rude on Twitter, and their response is always going to be the same. It's something along the lines of, look, like you watch this football game. We've watched every football game. It's not going to change. It's just, if you don't know who Kirk Cousins is yet, then you just, you'll never know. You're, you're, you're living in denial or whatever it is. And I agree with that point. 
That's why I'm having this problem because I think, and I'm, I'm right now I'm thinking about Sam Munson specifically on pro football focus because he just loves to berate Kirk Cousins and, mm-hmm. you know, loves to fight with people who are on the opposite side of that. You know, Which is funny because PFF is the metric that's treating Kirk so well right now. Like he's, I think, number three or four in the NFL right now by PFF. So that's that's ironic. I love it. It is ironic. <laughs> it's ironic, and then it also begs the question: like, if you're saying, "Hey, your perception can't change," but your system that you live and die by says he can change, then all of a sudden we have this, we have this issue, right? This is an issue. If you're a football mm-hmm. fan and you're trying, Kirk Cousins is a problem to football fans across the nation. It's not just Minnesota. No one can figure out who Kirk Cousins is. Who's the real guy? How do you define this guy? Because no one really knows because if you shit the bed when it matters most, all of a sudden nothing else matters. Period. Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl. No one talks about him as the GOAT anymore. He was probably the best passer of the football for four decades. And no one even puts him in the conversation with Montana, Brady, Manning, Breeze, etc. Not even in the conversation because he didn't win a Super Bowl. It can change with one thing. And for me, Kirk Cousins' thing is this one thing. And that's why I'm with you, that your perception can change at a drop of the hat because this is the one thing for him. Everything else is pretty damn good, right? The accuracy downfield is amazing. The connection that he has kind of with the team and kind of his ability to guide this team and persevere is always in question. Always. And it started – it's probably Stephon Diggs' fault, to be honest with you. We're going to leave that alone. There's always going to be that question mark with Kirk Cousins. And every time he does something for or against it, my entire, entire opinion is going to shift just from one bad pass or one missed, you know, one missed blocking assignment where I personally feel like Kirk Cousins could have wriggled out of it. It might not even be his fault, but ultimately my one answer is coming down. Is Kirk Cousins good or bad? Has is my perception of him of him being a good quarterback or a bad quarterback will change every single time he is put in a situation where his back is up against the wall. And depending on how that outcome is, that is where my perception will lie. No matter what, never going to change because that guy can do everything at a very high level, no doubt about it. But can he do it when it matters most every single time? And I get a different answer every week, every single week I get a different (laughs) answer with him from this guy. So I don't know. But yes, this week I'm feeling very good about Kirk Cousins. He deserves <laughs> he deserves the credit. He deserves me to shut up and just, you know, say, hey, you sucked before, but you got it done now, and that is growth. That's what you look for in your players. So yeah. yeah. Players can grow in their ninth, I think ninth, season in the league. We're seeing it right now right now with Kirk Cousins. But this has been all over the place, this show, I tell you what. We've been but at the same time, it's not been all over the place because we've talked about Kirk Cousins the entire time. So He's it's like, all over the place. It's his fault. Yeah. It's his fault. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is, though. Seriously. But, yeah, I, I mean, how can you not? How can you not have your perception change? And I think – I mean, I, I know of a few people that probably didn't, uh, that probably didn't have their, their uh, mind changed at all about Kirk Cousins. But there's, there's uh, you know, there's some more hope, right? And – you know, now that now if the Vikings get in a scenario where, you know, maybe whether it's Jackson or it's Tampa Bay, and they need a touchdown drive, there's a lot more hope that Kirk Cousins can deliver that. So I, you know, and this is that's fun. It's fun. It's fun for us especially, but I know it's fun for every Vikings fan to have meaningful games uh, this deep into the season. When I can assure you that none of us thought this would be the case right. going into the bye week. So that in itself, thank you to Kirk Cousins for that. Uh, yeah. But 
now we now we move on to Jacksonville, right? Uh, and I, it's you know now we cheer against the Arizona Cardinals and cheer against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the next few weeks here, and hopefully the Vikings can sneak in. And because I will say this, this is kind of my final note, maybe of the show here. Um, I am the one thing I want. If the Vikings get into the playoffs, I want the New Orleans Saints. I want the New Orleans Saints. And specifically, I want New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees at quarterback because Mike Zimmer owns that guy. Mike Zimmer could put me and you out there on defense and would own Drew Brees. I am very confident in that. And so I like that. And I, I'm hoping, you know, there's a lot of COVID stuff going on with the Ravens-Steelers game. Uh, as of this recording, I don't even think we know if that game will be played, when it will be played, how it will be played. Mm-hmm. But if that game is moved, there's the whole 16-team playoff situation that could happen. I want that eight versus one game Vikings at new Orleans. I want that really bad. Cause I think the Vikings could go in there and pull that upset off again, the second year in a row, but that's, you know, there's a lot that has to happen for that to come to fruition, but basically, we'll talk about it. We'll spend a lot of time talking about it. Oh, that, that, of course we will. Cause that's playoff scenarios. That's when you're in the hunt, that is what you do. You discuss playoff scenarios. Love in the hunt. Love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There's a couple things that I want to talk about real quick before we close up the show. One of these things, and I'll get this out of the way right away because I just want this on recording. At one point, probably, what was it? Got to be three months ago now. I, we talked about a guy named Tajay Sharp. He was signed by the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, he's on the team still currently. Uh, and I think a lot of us believe that he had big snap potential to say the least, that he was going to be playing football. He did play football yesterday. I just want to make a note of that. Tasha Sharp played football yesterday. He dropped a pass. Yeah, he dropped a pass. Um, a good pass. It, it, was a, it was an amazing pass. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was an absolutely incredible pass, and he, he didn't catch it. So I just, wanted to, I just wanted to make a note that Tasha Sharp is still alive, and we're not getting what we paid for, even though we paid nothing for him. And by we, I mean me, because, of course, I'm paying Tasha Sharp's uh, contract. So uh, that was one note that I want to make. The second thing is I, we, we do have to touch on the defense a little bit here because there are a couple of things that I have, you know, I guess concerns with, but also reasons for optimism too. Optimism and concern kind of go hand in hand, right? Because optimism is a result of seeing something, but not feeling super good about it, but having some faith because you have some evidence. To me, that's what the Vikings are. The Vikings are an optimistic defense because there's so many reasons for flaws. You don't have Daniel Hunter. You don't have Michael Pierce, just for starters, right? You don't have Anthony Barr, who we keep forgetting about because Eric Wilson's playing so well. But my point being is that you're getting some growth from a lot of these guys. Cam Dantzler looked pretty good yesterday for the most part. You're getting some growth from him. Jeff Gladdy is basically like you don't even talk about him anymore because he's not doing anything bad. And he's a cornerback, so it's like if you're not making interceptions, like good coverage, I guess, you know? Like that's kind of where I'm at with Jeff Gladney. But then you get the guys like Eric Kendricks and Anthony Harris who have to be good. And I guess my question is, is like, do Eric Kendricks and Anthony Harris and Harrison Smith, do those three guys, do they have to be good for this team to have a chance to win? Because we've seen the surrounding pieces, you know, add some flavor, right? That's what I would say Jeff Gladney and Cam Dantzler are doing and Eric Wilson in a big way. You could also argue Afedi Odenigbo, who, by the way, Jonathan Vilma absolutely butchered his name. Yeah, yeah, that was And I love that because I hate Jonathan Vilma. But all of these guys are kind of flavor savers, right? You've got the three big pieces. Can they win without Harrison Smith playing well? Like last week, Vikings did not win that game against Dallas 
And if you want to pin it on Harrison Smith, you probably can because there was three splash plays that he normally makes. So my question to you as we close out the show here is, do the Vikings need Anthony Harris, Eric Kendricks, um, and Harrison Smith to play well in order to win football games? Because now, all of a sudden, you're not just asking Kirk Cousins. You're not just asking Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. You're asking like 10 guys to play well to compete. Uh, I'm going to say, well, no, against Jacksonville. But, um, I mean, in a playoff game, you're going to need those guys to play well. I think so. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's the way it goes, right? If you have a defense that's this young, this many rookies playing big snaps, this many young players that are essentially playing their first year of NFL football on a consistent basis, right? Getting big snaps, you're going to need your veterans to step up and kind of take that brunt. So yeah, I will say, you know, Kendricks and Harrison Smith, Anthony Harris, uh, those guys, you kind of have to trust them. And to a degree now, Eric Wilson, uh, he's kind of becoming one of those guys that you need to, yeah, sort of trust to, you know, have a good performance out there. So, yeah, I think those guys, you, you sort of have to trust them. And if one doesn't show up for whatever reason, uh, you know, that's when things – you start. then that becomes, okay, I got to trust Cameron Dantzler. I got to trust, uh, you know, Mark Fields, whoever, the, Chris Boyd, you know, whoever to step up. So, by the way, you see TJ Wanham get – absolutely destroyed by Mike Davis on the, uh, <laughs> on did. that tackle up the middle. Yeah. Oh, that was, it was funny watching a five ten guy just destroy a six four two sixty <laughs> pass rusher. But um, the Vikings won that game basically without a pass rush, by the way, that's why I'm asking this question is because, and I'm asking it specifically about Kendricks and the two safeties because the Vikings did not have a sack yesterday and the pressure basically wasn't there either. There was a couple moments. Yeah. But this is my, that's my, that's why I'm asking that question that in my opinion, the way the Vikings won against the Carolina Panthers obviously is unsustainable because of the three stupid-ass turnovers, of course. But it's also unsustainable because of the way the defense played. And then my final question, and to close out this show, it's a very simple question. I think it has a very simple answer, is are we done with Marwin Malouf, the special teams coordinator for the Vikings? Are we done? Is it over? Because, my God, how much more does this guy have to do wrong for it to start to bleed a little bit? The Vikings almost lost again on a special teams play. Is he done? Should he be done? Should he be done? Um, yeah. There's just – I don't know. I, I don't – there's just so much – every single week it's something, right? Right. I just That's want a week saying. where there's nothing that goes wrong with special teams. That's all. And it's been – I think it's been since the bye week where we've – like there's been one something every week. So We just keep ignoring it. And we do it on this show. We are ignoring it. But the guys in the building, I think – if you want to win more football games. Like, how is Marcus Sherrill's not being contacted? Like, pay him whatever needs to be paid. I don't know. Like, how, I, now you're realizing the value of a punt returner that you can trust. Like, right. I mean, all you have to do is catch the football. Like, or I think so, was it somebody, I think maybe Matthew Collar, I don't know, somebody in Vikings media said something like, just don't even put a punt returner back there. Just let the team down it, wherever <laughs> it is, and just don't have anybody back there because that's better than – you know, having somebody back there to touch it or try to catch it or bobble it and give it back to the, to the oppo- uh, opposing team. I don't know. But to answer your question, it's probably time to change directions. I, I would say so as well. And just kind of an extension of that, by the way, just I saw this on Twitter yesterday. I want to make it known to a wider Minnesota audience. The Vikings did draft K.J. Osborne over Tyler Johnson, the gopher wide receiver, which I, w- I didn't even really think about that. But I thought about it during the draft, obviously, because Tyler Johnson was one of the few – guys in the also Tyler Johnson was returning kicks for Tampa Bay he's which he's doing a lot of things <laughs> and and he's doing well like when he's asked to play 
considering that he's playing behind three of the very best receivers in the entire NFL. Three of them in a row are playing in front of Tyler Johnson, and yet he was still, you know, a he's good route away from scoring yesterday. How did I'm surprised he's on the team still because he's got a a lot of accomplished players ahead of him, and they added one in Brown. And I'm surprised he wasn't a, a victim of that, but Brown exactly. Yeah, but that's uh, that's kind of how I wanted to close this thing out with something, I guess, for all of you out there to think about a little bit further. Can this Vikings team win without its absolute greatest playmakers on defense, um, or do they need more growth from the young guys before they, you know, you know, be considered in that aspect? And just, I don't, I really don't even think this is open ended. Like, I really think the special teams guys got to be gone. Like, I, I don't, I'm very, very confident in this. I don't call for heads in football, but like, you got to do your job in order to get paid for that job. And I don't see anything on the field that suggests that the Vikings special teams coordinator is doing anything possible. Well, I, what I'm surprised by is what, how, you know, expressive Zimmer's been about, you know, you know, on the sidelines, they show him all the time, you know, getting after him and, uh, you know, all that type of thing. And so it's, it's surprising that it hasn't happened yet. Uh, Cause it doesn't seem like Zimmer in particular is blaming this on the players as much as, you know, coaching staff. Maybe I'm wrong about that. We're not in the locker room, so I don't. That's for somebody else to to give us the answers on. So to close this thing out, in my, in my personal opinion, I think the only reason he has a job as of this recording is because the facilities are closed today. I think I really think it's coming. I feel very confident. Like you can't just keep mm. doing that. But anyways, uh, plenty to think about here. Plenty of good content coming in hot because of what Kirk Cousins has been able to accomplish and. Now, for a lot of you out there, six and six, getting back to 500 is what is the moment when you'll start to feel like this thing might be real. Um, and the Vikings have a very real opportunity of making that happen against a very pedestrian Jacksonville team uh, this weekend, which, of course, Drew and I will be back on Thursday uh, to discuss in depth. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening to us um, discuss Kirk Cousins and, and so forth today. Uh, we always appreciate that. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, make sure to check out the Daily Norseman. Plenty of great written content on there as well as um, our audio shows and the rest of the Climb in the Pocket Network as well. Uh, make sure to check out their content. And you can find Drew and I on YouTube as well if you prefer. Uh, we actually got – we started using Zoom, so the video quality is a little bit better, and that's, you know, that's something to – know right home about i guess for the 14 of you that are watching this program on the youtube uh, platform so thank you for listening and we will catch you guys later on this week